How y'all doing tonight? Welcome, everybody. Glad you join us over in Stevens Point. Are they on? Are we online in Appleton too tonight, or just Stevens Point? Just Stevens Point. Okay, because Appleton would be here, wouldn't they? Awesome. Glad you could make it. Welcome everybody that's online watching tonight. We are going to have us a baptism tonight, and we're going to celebrate the wonderful new lives that these folks that are going to be baptized, they have through Jesus Christ. And so uh, it's going to be a great time, and thank you for joining with us tonight and celebrating with us. Uh, Welcome to this Wednesday night service. Um, We're going to take time just to celebrate with these guys. If you have come to Christ, if you have believed in Jesus, if you're beginning to learn all about forgiveness and to live in forgiveness towards yourself and toward other people, and if you're getting a better grasp on what it means to walk in salvation, and then all of those things, but what's the next step? There's always a next step in the Christian life, and for those of you who are going to be baptized tonight, this is your next step. And uh, we're going to read a little bit about baptism in the Bible tonight, and I'd like to start by uh, uh, reading through the most famous water baptism in history, and it occurs in Matthew chapter 3, if you'll follow along with us. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea, and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist, His food was locust and wild honey. Mmm, good. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him. And uh, Jesus replied shortly after he was baptized or shortly before, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all all righteousness, and then John consented to baptize Jesus. So Jesus walks up to John, John sees him off, and he's like, oh man, John recognized him immediately, I'm not worthy to baptize this guy. And Jesus said, no, this is to fulfill all righteousness, this needs to be done right now. It is proper for us to do this in order to fulfill all righteousness. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So, water rituals. Water rituals are taught and practiced in several of the world's main religions, but none of them compared to the Christian act of baptism. Uh, It has a meaning all its own, and it's really special to us. No matter where you go, water baptism uniquely identifies you as a believer. Uh, Even in India, uh, where Christianity is practiced by less than 1% of the population, baptism is practiced there by Christians. And it's important. Uh, it, it, it sets the true believer apart from others. Uh, in India, the only way, actually, that you're going to know that a person has become a Christian and really exercise faith in Jesus is when they get baptized in water. Uh, You're seeing a baptism up on the screen here that was done by our pastor friend, Sushil uh, Desai there. And, uh, well, guess who's in the middle of the the picture? Luke Hoppe 
from our very own Appleton campus who just happens to be sitting down here tonight with us. And um, so Luke was a Transition One student at that time, and he was serving his missions opportunity over in India with these guys. And uh, he was baptized on the same day that these others were baptized. Now, you have to know that they couldn't do this baptism in public. It's against the law to do such things in that part of India because it's a Hindu nation. It's ruled by Hindu law in some cases. So this happened in a very remote area away from public viewing. And, but of course, even in India, this unique experience of water baptism is practiced unapologetically by Christians in the church uh, it's important to them, and it should be important to us. Uh, Pastor Bob shared two Sundays ago about the three churches that we support in this area of India and that they've baptized over 14 people in the last few months. And they risk, when they do this, they risk detection by the authorities. You know, but it's important enough to them that they do it anyway. It's practiced there just as we practice it here. So as you can see by reading that section of Matthew we just went through, it was pretty special to Jesus. It was pretty special to John the Baptist. And the Father in heaven bore witness to Jesus' baptism in a spectacular way. Speaking from heaven with a divine affirmation that must have just been astonishing to witness. Before Jesus began interacting with the public and before he preached or healed or performed miracles, before he did any of that, he was baptized in water in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. Now, that was then. Fast forward ahead to the end of Jesus' ministry and to the end of his time on earth. And guess what shows up again? Water baptism. And Jesus came to them, Matthew 28, verse 18, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So water baptism appears both at the beginning and the end of Jesus' ministry on earth. And that's a very important thing to remember. The proof that baptism was important to the early church is found in what they continued to practice immediately after Jesus ascended to heaven. It is recorded in the book of Acts. The disciples followed Jesus' orders to the letter. And it was recorded there Peter was preaching to a large crowd his very first sermon in Jerusalem after the Holy Spirit came upon him. This crowd had gathered for the Feast of Pentecost in Jerusalem. And it says in the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 37, when the people heard this, in other words what Peter had been saying to them in his first sermon, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God would call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. 
and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Okay, so there was John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. Then there was Jesus telling the disciples to baptize anyone who would believe. And then here we see the disciples actually following through on what Jesus told them to do. And 3,000 people were baptized in Jerusalem following Peter's first salvation message. Holy mackerel, that's a lot of folks. That probably took all day. We have the examples of what Jesus experienced and taught concerning baptism, and then we see what the disciples did concerning baptism. He taught about it, he was baptized, then the disciples carried through with his instructions, and they did what he said to do. So let's take a look then at what the New Testament teaches about baptism. We see what they did, but there are certain uh, spiritual concepts that were taught by Paul in his epistles, and we read one of them in Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. In him, Paul wrote, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Okay, now, the language of Paul the apostle used here would have been understood clearly by those folks then, but it may seem abstract or mysterious to us now. Let's just say that Paul's use of words like circumcision, flesh, buried with him, raised with him, to us seem a little mystical. But in these two verses, they had specific meanings to those believers to whom he was writing, of course, the believers in Colossae. So just step back 2,000 years and let's look at these words in context. Circumcision. What was he meaning here? Those of you who have been circumcised with him. In this context, it was another word for the cutting and the breaking of the human heart to the point that uh, a person saw his need for forgiveness and asked forgiveness from God. And you hear phrases like, my heart was cut. Matter of fact, we just read in Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached to the people in Jerusalem, it says that they were cut to the heart by what he said. That's the circumcision, the cutting that is meant here in Paul's letter, cut to the heart, or my heart was deeply moved, or I felt great embarrassment and conviction for wrongdoing, all of these elements mean this is what God is actively doing in my heart. He's cutting away. He's opening it up. He's, he's helping me understand that the sin that is in me is not okay. And this brings conviction. It brings guilt. And then we confess that to God. So my heart was deeply moved. Uh, I became convinced that my life was not pleasing to God. Again, another meaning for the circumcision of the heart uh, that, um, and then this is what happened when a person's conscience was deeply convicted by the Holy Spirit. The person now realized that he not only had done wrong things, he was wrong on the inside. Then we have the term flesh that Paul uses in these verses, used for the habitual, sinful, uh, inner nature of man uh, without Christ. Paul said that men are ruled by the flesh, 
or ruled by an anti-God nature that only wants to do wrong. This is something else that's inside of us, the flesh. That's just a short word that Paul used to describe this sinful nature that was in us. And then it talks about buried with him. It refers to the death and burial of Jesus Christ following his death on the cross. The broken body of Jesus died and and then his body was buried. And just as Christ was buried on that day, so also we identify with his burial by seeing that our old nature must die and it has to be buried just like Christ was buried. We identify with him in that way. He died and was buried, I die and I'm buried. By die, I mean that our old sinful nature, the flesh, it dies. It is then buried both spiritually and literally just as Christ was buried. And then our old fleshly sinful nature laying dead in the grave just as Jesus' body was laying dead in the grave That nature is transformed while it is laying there, and it is brought back to life. But the sinful nature is no longer sinful. It is new. It is transformed. It is reborn into a new life with new desires and new abilities that it did not previously possess. So, I want to read that theological statement that we just read from Paul uh, in Colossians, but I'm going to insert a few things with new meanings so we kind of get a grasp on the mysterious words that he uses and then insert so we get a clearer understanding. In him, or in Christ, you were also... Could we uh, have that verse back up there if we can? Yeah, there we go. In him, or in Christ, you were also circumcised or cut and broken in your hearts and convinced that you were lost in your sins with a circumcision not performed by human hands this cutting is so deep that only God can do it it is God's doing your whole self ruled by the flesh that is that anti-God spirit in every man the sinful nature that always wants to go against God that flesh was put off In other words, that ugly thing that I wore as a permanent garment was removed from me by God when you were circumcised, again, cut, broken, forgiven by Christ, having been buried, your old sinful nature is buried with him in baptism, meaning water baptism, in which you were also raised with him, signifying by coming out of the water of baptism, by being raised in your spiritual life with Christ as your new Lord, through your faith in the working of God, the work of God being the coming, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus who raised him, Jesus, from the dead. Okay, now here's another example found over in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Or, Paul wrote, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus in the water were baptized into his death? Our baptism signified that we died to our old sinful nature, just like when Jesus died on the cross and he was buried. 
We were therefore buried with him symbolically, but also in a very real spiritual sense through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life just like he was raised from the dead by the power of God. He has raised us to a new life from our spiritual death. That's the meaning of those kinds of words when Paul is writing to us about baptism. So to sum it up, the meaning of baptism, it's an important symbol of my faith in Christ. Very important. I publicly acknowledge, like these baptism candidates are going to do tonight, I publicly acknowledge by being lowered into the water and then raised out of the water that I have fully identified with the death and resurrection of Jesus, that it is not just some piece of history to me, but it, it is personal, it is real to me. I'm living this now, and I want to testify to you that I'm living it right now. Being baptized is you painting a picture with your actions for the people who are watching. You're painting us a picture. You are saying, down with the old, up with the new. I once was lost, now I'm found. Right? And then by doing so, I demonstrate what Paul the Apostle said in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. That person is literally a new creature. Amen. Wow. So the biggest obstacle that most people face when it comes to baptism is a cultural one, especially here in northern Wisconsin. We have trouble with this because our culture here is rooted in the Catholic faith and the Lutheran faith. Uh, both of these traditional denominations baptize babies, infants, and they teach that infant baptism is a key part of a person's future salvation. Uh, because infant baptism has been practiced for centuries in both churches, it is extremely difficult for Catholics or Lutherans to adjust in their minds to being rebaptized as adults. I remember when we were in Italy, uh, Mark and Debbie and myself were in Italy, uh, in Rome, uh, a Catholic priest was at some of our, we were having meetings uh, every night underneath this big top tent, and a Catholic priest came out, and, and uh, Debbie was standing there holding Leslie, and the priest walked up to them to introduce himself to them, and and he says, oh, a brand new baby. And he says, the first question out of his mouth was, have, have you baptized her yet? And Debbie just looked at him and said, well, not exactly. She hasn't gotten saved yet. <laughs> and he, was, he just gave her this look like, what? <laughs> what? What do you mean? But that's what we believe. Uh, and so it's hard. I understand. For those who have a Lutheran or Catholic background, it's very difficult when you're, you've been taught that uh, infant baptism is the way to go. Uh, it has been practiced, by the way, for centuries in these churches. It's extremely difficult for some Catholics and Lutherans to adjust in their minds to then being rebaptized as adults. But if you look at all of the occasions of baptism in the New Testament, mostly in the book of Acts, 
you see adults, not infants, being baptized in water after they confess their sins and exercise their faith in Jesus. Infants could not respond by repenting and coming forward for baptism. That's why they didn't baptize infants. Infants could not reason or understand the meaning of what Peter was saying when he was speaking to the crowd in Jerusalem. Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and for your children and all who are far off. And it went on. And infants would not have understood the words of Philip in Acts chapter 8. When they believed, Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God, we should have that next verse up if possible, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. And then finally in Acts chapter 10, we read, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Again, adults responding to the movement and the power of the Holy Spirit and then responding by being baptized. Uh, I was baptized as a baby in the Episcopal Church. But in 1970, I came to a personal faith in Jesus Christ in Indianapolis with the members of my rock band, and all five of us were baptized two weeks later in a horse trough in the basement of a church. Now, that was an incredible experience. Yeah. We didn't do anything fancy in those days, and it was not heated water either. But you know, I was so touched, I'll never forget that day in that horse trough, in that basement of that church. I didn't want to change clothes for two weeks after I got baptized. I thought what I had on was it's like holy now or something, and I better not change clothes. This has an aura, you know. Um, you guys are about to take that same step of faith tonight, and you too, those of you who are going to be baptized, are never going to forget this night. It's incredible. And um, uh, at Celebration Church, you know, this is why we baptize adults and children. It is clear that New Testament teaching and practice was meant for adults and children who knew what they were doing. If you have further questions about infant baptism, please don't hesitate to call us. We'll make an appointment. We'll sit down. We'll explain it to you cl more clearly. So let's pray. Uh, now, and then if you're going to be baptized, I'm going to ask you to just, after we, after we pray, just line up against the wall, and Pastor Bob and Randy uh, Warner will meet you in the baptismal tank, uh, and we're going to continue to worship God. The band's going to come and play, and I want all of us to rejoice with these believers as they take this next step of faith. Would you pray with me now? Lord, we love you and we thank you 
for, first of all, saving us and bringing us to eternal life through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord God, that you have done this work in us, that we have uh, both died with you and been raised with you through our faith in Jesus. And this not of ourselves, something that you have done by a miracle, a spiritual miracle in us, O God. And for that we give you glory and thanks and praise from the bottom of our hearts, O God. And Lord, we pray for these brothers and sisters who are here with us tonight who are going to be baptized. Would you bless them? Would this be one of the great special nights in their lives that they would remember for the rest of their lives? That night that they declared to us, I am turning my back on the world. I am putting my hand to the plow. I am following Jesus Christ from here on out. And Lord, by your spirit, would you solidify that commitment in them? Would it become real to them? And may you help them by your spirit live that out every day of every, every second of every bit of their lives. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.